If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. everybody we are back nba season it's been a minute and to be honest this wasn't even on the schedule to do an nba show but josh engelman and i were so excited to talk about basketball they're like all right enough of this baseball nonsense in two game slates let's talk about some nba two game slates with the season starting a week from now of course jordan klein producing he was on board he really wanted to produce this basketball show as well season starting why guys come in like the video subscribe to the youtube channel start of the basketball season only a few days away next tuesday the season kicks off josh you ready for it i can't wait man see you next tuesday it's gonna be a good one i want to watch the games i just want to watch basketball in general i'm really half excited for wednesday because we're just getting inundated with basketball just gonna park my ass at seven o'clock once lock happens and i'm not gonna move until it's all over but we get two good games for tuesday I've been waiting for this since, I don't know, April. Like, I like playoff basketball, but I like it differently in from a DFS perspective. For play, Like, I want to watch playoff basketball. I care a little bit less from a DFS perspective. DFS NBA, this is everything for me. I, I'm pumped. Josh looks yeah, like a I'm, kid in a candy store. I do feel like a kid in a candy store. And, and we kind of lose the heart of NBA DFS basketball in the playoffs for a couple of reasons. There, there's no chaos in terms of value. It's just the same guys that play. There aren't back-to-back, so guys are getting the rest. We don't get the late scratches where we're scrambling and trying to figure out minutes. But then also, the matchups get a little stale where it's like, oh, cool, Steph Curry is 9,800 for the sixth game in a row. What are we going to do with it? So, you know, we get we get the fresh matchups brought into the mix. And then also, one thing that's going to be a really key part of these games to open up the season that I'm excited to talk to you about is just going to be weird things like who is the backup center for the Philadelphia 76ers? What does the Lakers guard rotation look like? Cause some of those new elements are things that are going to really matter for the first slates of the year. But in general, just big picture basketball stuff. Is there anything that you're particularly excited for this year? Everybody being healthy again, Kawhi back Zion back. Like think little things like that, where I just feel for the most part, we're rolling into this as healthy as we've been in a minute. Now I, I know we're going to drop people as this goes, but <laughs> I, it just, we, I feel like we're at an absolute peak for NBA talent and I'm hoping that it can hold on and there's not too much craziness. Like I'm rest when you need to do what you got to do. I want everybody to get through because I think the playoffs could be legitimately crazy if health breaks correctly this year. And there's also, when we get into the latest, there's going to be some crazy tanking for Wembyana. Maybe the, the best prospect 
ever. And I know that people are just going to look at results and say like, how could it not be LeBron? Well, when is like seven foot four is like an eight foot wingspan. He knocks down threes, like anything you'd ever want in a prospect is him. He is him. So like, there's going to be some things that happen in terms of like, well, Mellow Ball, he's already out for the start of the year. How early do the Hornets start considering tanking and think, do we build a team around Wembyama and potentially Lamella Ball? The Thunder, they've tanked once or twice before. How yeah. soon do they start pulling the plug on guys? Like, that's something else that I'm kind of looking forward to. And also, like you mentioned, with talent, that's going to be another big infusion of talent into the NBA. I'm excited for that potential Thunder trio of Poku, Chet, and Wembyama. Yeah. <laughs> just running out three ridiculous dudes at the 3-4-5. Yeah, it's, that's so. Hopefully, they win mean, the lottery also, which is another. Is, let's is, do it right now. Who do you want? Who do you want to get him? Oh, it's the Thunder because it's just number one. It's going to make people really upset. The tanking worked, right? So that's number one. Sure. People being upset—that's a result I could get on board with. Sure. And then, and then also, just like you mentioned, just the possibility of absurd lineups: Poku, Chet, Wembyama, just the gigantic front court that could potentially block a million shots. Like, it is the most elements of things that I like, but most importantly, the trolling of the public. Clearly, no real issue with uh, trolling the public. That seems like it'd be fun. I would love to see if there was a if there was potential for a team to lose their pick and then lose the like the lottery. So like, you know, if the Lakers fall and lose their pick to the Pelicans or something like that, I would love something along those lines where a fan base wins the lottery, but doesn't get the benefit of getting him again, just, you know, shaming the public is, is more <laughs> fun there. It's weird because the ass end of the league, like I don't really want him to go to San Antonio, Houston. I don't care about the thunder all that much. Indianapolis, Utah, Orlando would be fun just because I think they're building something really interesting there. And I think that could really start to become like a high level team. If things break correctly, Detroit could be fun if he goes there. I want it. I want. I want it to be hectic. Like I want him to go to a really good team, if it's possible. Charlotte like the, like fun. a San Antonio Spurs Duncan style, where like it's a one year tank because something crazy happens and somebody slips into the lottery and then wins it at like the eleven seed or like the ele- like the eleventh pick jumps in. That's what I want most. I mean that that could kind of be Charlotte if if Lamelo just misses a significant amount of time and then. Let's say LaMelo ends up missing a big portion of this year. Let's say Bridge, I don't even know if Bridge is going to play in the NBA again, but whatever ends up happening with him, like he could miss this year and then be back in the mix with Charlotte next year. So that could be a team where they could end up being, you know, a better team in future years and just really suck this year and have more incentive to suck. So Charlotte, I think, would potentially be a a fun one. New Orleans Um, would be exceptional. Oh, New Orleans would be insane. New Orleans would would just be the the nuts from a basketball perspective. I mean the the Seattle the new Seattle SuperSonics it would be great <laughs> when when they're forced to leave New Orleans. Yeah, I mean that that team would be totally ridiculous. I do like the shout out too that you mentioned about the Lakers potentially yeah. from the standpoint of let's say like the Lakers are desperate to get rid of Russ and nobody will take him, so they attach a first round pick to Russ to get off him. They miss the playoffs and that ends up being the number one pick somehow. I mean I'm sure they'd make it protected, but in a dream scenario that would also be pretty funny. It, I, I want the Lakers to miss the playoffs and get a pick in the lottery so bad. So the Pelicans have bullets. It's because I think the Pelicans are just going to be really good. Um, yeah, I do as well this year. I, I'm big on Zion, have been for the last couple of years. And if he could stay healthy this year, which I understand is a pretty big if, he's allowed to get MVP votes this year. And I think that could be a really, 
a really dangerous team. I don't know if you remember this last year, Josh, but towards the end of the year, one of the last shows we did, we were talking about potential dark horse uh, Western and Eastern Conference finals teams this year. My pick then was the Pelicans. I get it. I don't remember it, but I get it. Yeah, like, you pooed on it at the time. <laughs> they're not going to be ever be good enough defensively to get it done in like the latest rounds of the playoffs, but their offense has potential to just be staggering. If those guys figure it out, if they can figure out how to manage the ball, like a three-man... I mean, Zion just breaks things. Uh, we forget it because he's been gone for a year. And like we want to try to diminish him in some way because he was just a fat ass for like half of the last season. He's one of the best offensive players in basketball and a legitimate problem when he's out there. If he is healthy, he's like an automatic top 10 offense just because of the way he creates things. Yeah, and by the way, it's straight pick swap. So Lakers finish 10th or something like that and they jump up there. It's just getting moved directly to the Pelicans. Oh, that's, that's tremendous. All right, so that's the scenario that I think would be funniest. But uh, that's a little intro to the NBA season. Guys, we're about to break down the first slate of the year. It is a two-gamer. We've got the Sixers taking on the Boston Celtics and then the aforementioned Los Angeles Lakers taking on the defending champion Golden State Warriors and some of the drama surrounding them with Draymond Green right now. But let's start on the East Coast, the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics. So from the Philly side, let's start at the high. And we'll talk about the best players first and then work our way down to some of the value options and how we're going to break down some of that. But at the high end, how highly does Joel Embiid rate out as a payup option relative to some of the other payup options for you on this slate? I know both of us have built some built some lineups and seen kind of where we might stand on some of these guys. And as of right now, Embiid was my most rostered payup option. It, it's not even close for me. Uh, he is the unquestioned top payup option. Uh, on FanDuel, I got him at 54 fantasy points. Next highest guy that I have on the slate is LeBron at 46. So I've got him by eight points over anybody else there. Basically the same sort of spread on DraftKings. When I ran my crunches, he ended up in two-thirds of my lineups. I expect Embiid to be my biggest payup option or like my most frequently rostered payup option because he's the best per minute guy playing the most minutes and has the high, like it's he's just really easy to get to. <laughs> And he's healthy, right? It's the start of the year, which is if there's any point in time where we know Joel Embiid is going to be healthy, and the same thing is going to be said about Anthony Davis when we talk about him later, game one of the season. I don't know how healthy Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis are going to be three months from now, four months from now. Today, I know that they're going to be healthy. I don't know if you saw this. I'm getting a little ahead of ourselves. Anthony Davis, do you see what his goal is for this season? Didn't he say he wanted to play like every game or something like that? His goal is to play 82 games this season. The most unrealistic goal in he's not even history. healthy right now. Yeah, he so <laughs> he said that he will that he wanted to play in every game this season, and then he was listed as questionable on the injury report for a preseason game the next day with a back strain because he got hurt in practice. So the bigger point though, when it comes to Joel Embiid, in my first run here, I've been projected higher than every other player on the slate. And it's actually a slate where I think there's going to be some value options that are going to enable us to pay up for some stars. Yeah. Embiid is going to be the highest priority one for me. And then when it comes to James Harden, he's somebody that's kind of hard for me to figure out from this standpoint. He was really good last year when he first got to Philly, and his fantasy production kind of tailed off towards the end of the season. And I don't know how well people remember what Harden's fantasy production looked like because he was good from a fantasy standpoint, but not great. Like, it was a lot of games where it was high floor, low ceiling so yeah. I'm looking at Harden. I do feel pretty good about his minutes, at least relative to some other stars. 
But with that in mind, it's going to be hard for me to prioritize him because the upside wasn't really there after coming to Philadelphia by and large part last season. No, it, it's a lot better on the court um, just for like the Sixers offense in general. Uh, the pick and roll combination with Embiid was, uh, I believe, the best in the league once he uh, came over. Uh, people like looked at it as if Harden wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. He just wasn't doing what he had done previously, which is a different question for DFS. But that pick and roll with Embiid was ultra, ultra efficient when they were able to run it. I still got him in here for a 25% usage rate, still slightly above average true shooting, monster assist rate, even with Maxi there, still pulling down some boards. He's just, we, we can't look at him in, through the same scoring lens that we used to saw or used to see because there's, just more options to be able to put the ball in the basket for Philly. Now he's not, it's not as heliocentric as it used to be. I'm not getting to all that much Harden on DraftKings at this point at 8,900. I am more likely to get to him a little bit more on FanDuel. And that's just because of the way that positions get forced. Uh, you just have a little bit more options. So I am getting there on FanDuel a little bit less. So on DraftKings, but I'm excited to see Harden moving forward. Uh, I, I kind of wish they weren't facing Boston, I'm excited to really see them against that first team that doesn't have a great defense because watching Harden and Embiid is going to be just beautiful basketball. Yeah, especially after they have a, they have a little more time to be able to acclimate with each other in offseason to also uh, you know just practice together and get the offense a little more figured out because it is fairly difficult to integrate somebody like a James Harden into an offense that already had a lot of high usage guys. Like, for instance, we still have Tyrese Maxey there. We still have Tobias Harris, and... These were guys I didn't really roster all that much last year after the James Harden trade unless somebody was out because there's only so many mouths to feed. And I do have concerns about Tobias Harris's fantasy upside this year as well, uh, just from the standpoint of like he's somebody who's been pretty dependent on scoring over the course of his NBA career. And he might be fourth in this team in usage behind Embiid, Harden, Maxi. And that does make me question to open the year. What does the realistic upside for a guy like Tobias Harris look like? I don't love him, at least from a, a DFS perspective. He's $900 more expensive than Maxi on DraftKings. On FanDuel, at the very least, they're only separated by $100. But I think they're pretty similar per minute, guys. On DK, we're seeing them get relatively similar ownership. On FanDuel, we're seeing, at least on this first run that we have, Harris is doubling up Maxi. So right away, I, I find it a little bit easier to just get to Maxi if that kind of holds. But at the same time, what we used to know of Tobias Harris was like a fantasy point per minute guy. He is not that with James Harden out there, with Joel Embiid out there. We're talking about a sub 20% usage rate. Assist rate doesn't really exist all that much. He's not like a gigantic rebounder. He's just sort of like a secondary scoring option. The guy that gets the ball on the opposite side when the original action breaks down. He's priced accordingly, but at the same time, I find him to be very, like, I, I don't know what a game looks like if it's, Hard, not hard in any bead, but it is Tobias Harris in the opener. I don't see it, and I especially don't really see it against Boston, who's just tossing out a lot of guys that are going to have very little trouble with Tobias Harris. Yeah, and at least right now, and there's still a long ways to go until the first night of the season. So, still, I'm looking at the initial run of ownership here, and I think Tobias Harris is one of the most over owned players on both DraftKings and FanDuel. He's projected yep. right now for 37% ownership on FanDuel. The DK number, about similar, 33%. So at least in the initial builds that I ran, one of the things that ended up being one of the biggest stands for me, and not because it was anything intentional, I was just kind of running lineups based on projections and then seeing where players came out and comparing it to ownership, I just naturally ended up way underweight to Tobias Harris. That's a big ownership number on him. 
Yeah, I've got about half the field on both sites, uh, and I expect that to hold uh, as long as that ownership holds. There's nothing as long as ownership doesn't move around too much. And like I'm got like Tobias Harris, Tobias Harris's ownership shouldn't move all that much. Like he's kind of a guy where we kind of know what he's going to be doing from a minutes perspective. His place in the rotation isn't really going anywhere. It's pretty easy for that to just hold. I would expect me to be well under that mark. So I guess Tobias Harris is the first guy that's uh, perfectly set up to screw me on opening night. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm trying to remember who was it that screwed everybody on opening night last year. There was somebody who was a- Biel, Bielitsa was the chalk, if I remember correctly. But it ended up being, or uh, or vice versa, and it ended up being like a different warrior. Was or was it? I, I think it was. Was it like Bruce Brown, who's really popular on the Nets, and then he just didn't end up being in the rotation to open up the year? I feel like it was one of those. It was that one of those right Nets ancillary pieces. I'm trying to pull up lineup study right now. Yeah, I'm trying to remember that. Uh, but I, I do remember there was there was somebody who it could have been B elites as well. There was somebody who was really popular on the first two games slate of the year last year that ended up not really being in the rotation in a significant way. And then there was somebody who was the player who played in their place that just went off and had a really big game and almost no ownership. Okay, so you know I, I think it was I think it was Patty Mills had the big game and Bruce Brown sucked as the chalk. Bruce Brown was thirty percent owned, had three fantasy points. Okay, and then look up Patty Mills. That, that's Patty Mills had thirty four at sixteen percent. Yeah, I remember that. Grayson Allen was fifty percent owned on DraftKings <laughs> that night, but he scored thirty at thirty eight hundred, so that still worked out. Drew Holiday was pretty aggressive ass but yeah bruce brown played he played 25 minutes too oh no that's the that's the final game that he played against philly let's see if we can scroll down here it it does and by the way that's also something that i'm not that i'm thinking specifically like oh bruce brown wasn't good on opening day last year therefore i have to play this guy he played four minutes (laughs) yeah and it was all garbage time if i remember correctly as well yeah didn't come in until the game was out of hand but yeah. Something I am definitely thinking about while I'm going to be building lineups and we have some of the ownership updates that are finalized is some of the the spots where there might be a chalky player who are also unsure what the rotation role is. I think it's going to make sense to take stabs at their backup in yeah. that situation. For instance, like Bruce Brown versus Patty Mills. Bruce Brown double the ownership of Patty Mills ends up not being in the rotation. There's going to be some of these teams where we're just not going to know what some of the backup minutes are going to look like for role players. And that's going to be the case with some of these Philly guys as well. Like, I don't know what the backup center minutes look like. I don't know exactly what DeAnthony Melton's role is going to be. I know what the upside of DeAnthony Melton is. I just don't know how many minutes he's going to play on this team. So I'm curious to ask you, as far as the role players go on Philly, what stands out to you right now from a DFS angle? Honestly, nothing. Um, Just because I don't know where they come from. Like, in a perfect world, James Harden's playing let's just say 34 minutes. Joel Embiid's playing 34 minutes. Harris is playing 34 minutes. Maxie's playing 34 minutes. Tucker probably a little bit less than that. You're just sort of out of anything legitimate after that. George Niang's going to play like, I don't know, 14 to 18 minutes. And then you just start looking at these positions and it's like, well, if they're going to run a 10-man rotation, DeAnthony Melton can only play like 16 minutes. Shake Milton, whoever the backup center is, whether that's Paul Reed, Montrez Harrell, PJ Tucker, even, they're... There's 14 minutes there, something along those lines. So when it comes to Philly, just because of how there's no wiggle room in their closing rotation for the most part. And if that's the case, there's it's really hard to prop up anyone else on their bench. Like 
I don't, this isn't going to hold. We have $4,200 DeAnthony Melton on FanDuel projected for 20% ownership. That's impossible to, to maintain when we get to Tuesday. If it does, he's the worst play on the slate because I just don't know where those minutes are coming from. You have to immediately think to yourself, okay, well, Maxie's playing less than you think he is, or James Harden's playing less than you think he is. And I just don't think that's what's happening. So it's funny because I agree with you totally about Melton on FanDuel. DraftKings is only projected for 5% ownership. And it, it makes such a big difference because Melton's yeah. one of those guys who we've seen put up a lot of fantasy points in small minutes. It's happened you know, numerous times during his time in Memphis. At 4,200 on DK at 5% ownership, that's the one large field tournament play that I like from the Sixers bench. It's hard to know what's going to happen with Montrez Harrell, what's going to happen with Paul Reed. Harrell hasn't been playing in the preseason. And then just in general, we saw last year, there was times that DeAndre Jordan was playing over Paul Reed. There was times Paul Reed was playing over DeAndre Jordan. And then also, I mean, Harrell's... If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Not min price or anything like that on DK or FanDuel either, but the one guy that I could make a case for across either site would be Melton, but DraftKings specific, where he's only 5% owned. So I know you said FanDuel, way too popular, 20%. I agree. What do you make of the 5% mark on DK? It's still tough because at the same point, at 4,200, you're looking for what? 25 plus fantasy points? You know, if he plays 16 minutes, that's like 1.6-ish fantasy points per minute. You need a very specific outcome for Melton. I think there are just going to be other spots where it's pretty easy to figure out there's a value play that can get playing time, whether that's just crapshoot Lakers guys, the fact that the Warriors might play, you know, all 12 guys that are active for that day. It makes it more difficult for me to want to get to Philly. But if I'm looking at it from a DraftKings perspective, I actually think that I'm more likely to want to go to like, I, I think that I would be more likely to try to take a shot at Shake Milton. And I don't even know if he's going to be playing all that much. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, don't have him in the rotation right now. And we could get we could get news that would make me feel differently. But like you said, it could be a 10-man rotation. There's a lot of guys. This Philly team is pretty deep this year, particularly yeah. in the backcourt. There's James Harden. There's Tyrese Maxey. They're not going anywhere. DeAnthony Melton, I presume, is going to be the first guard off the bench. Uh, Thibel could play backcourt minutes. Is he going to be in the rotation this year? I'm not really sure. Daniel House is in the mix this year. Jake I don't Milton's have Thibel in. Yeah, but that's also possible. It, it could it could be Thibault's out and Shake Milton takes the ten minutes that I gave to Thibault. Like that's that's one of the that's one of the possibilities as well. Yeah. It's 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 a tough it's a tough situation to figure out the end of the bench. I could say this much: I did not get a single share of any bench player from the Sixers, and I don't. It wouldn't really like if I take Shake out and put Thibault in, or take House out, put Thibault in. If I mix and match these guys, I just don't think there's enough minutes there unless these guys start getting projected for basically no ownership yeah and that was why the only reason i did get to some of Mel Mel uh, melton there as well is is just from a dk perspective where he's five percent owned yeah. that's something i think could have utility fan will no interest at all though uh, any any other talking points for you from the philadelphia 76ers at this point um not really uh, like 
Tucker's Tucker. His price on DraftKings is 3,700. He's got the forward center eligibility. So when he's sub 4K, he's always viable. And if he's back with James Harden now, we sort of know exactly what we're going to get out of Tucker. You're going to get a couple days where this pick and roll for Harden and Embiid is just cooking. And PJ Tucker ends up with wide open corner three after wide open corner three. And all of a sudden he's got 18 real points because he's just being left wide open. That's going to happen a couple of times. Take advantage of those days when he's cheap and not really all that owned. Get away from him when he has like two or three days in a row where he's like that and gets up to like 4,700. Those are the days you don't need it. But for right now, I think Tucker looks pretty solid on DraftKings. Yeah, uh, and I know that that's something Jordan's probably perking up back there. Here's about P.J. Tucker. Joey Corman probably wasn't even watching the show. Now he knows. P.J. Tucker, he's being talked about. So uh, Joey knows as well. Do you know that there was one time we were, we were shorthanded for a show like way back in the day, the infancy here, and Joey got thrown onto a show and he just was like, play P.J. Tucker. Do, have you heard that before? I think that I know that that happened. I, at least I, I certainly saw it happen on our tweets for the better part of a year. <laughs> It's it's the reason that Joey still tweets about PJ Tucker to this day. But anyway, one of the one of the big additions for the 76ers, PJ yeah. Tucker is there now. I like the depth on that team. I think they're going to be certainly one of the better teams in the NBA this season. And then moving on to the other side, the team that won the Eastern Conference last year, the Boston Celtics, and the biggest news for Boston coming into the year. Well, actually, I shouldn't say the biggest news. The biggest on-court news for the yeah. Boston Celtics. It's going to be that Robert Williams isn't there to open up the season. Robert Williams was one of the most valuable defensive players in the NBA. And now coming into the year, there's this void to fill in the front court for Boston. How do you think they're going to be able to fill that role? They're going to be fine because the rest of the team is really, really good. Like the, he doesn't go away and they like they suddenly become garbage. You're still going to be trotting out a bunch of real high-quality talent, one through four. So from a regular season perspective, it doesn't hurt them as much as it could. Uh, obviously, they'd prefer to have him there. You're going to get Al Horford right out of the gate. Um, I can't imagine they want him to play a ton of minutes. He played like 2,000 regular season minutes last year, like 800 more in the postseason. He's old. They, they just they don't want that to continue to happen. So the question then becomes, who else is getting minutes at center? Do they just go sort of small and say that it's Blake Griffin or a little bit more of Grant Williams? Are they going to, uh, unfortunately, like, yeah, the, the unicornette probably in some spots, uh, you know, you could see him eat like a foul or two against Embiid in this one. I went with mostly Blake Griffin, a little bit more Grant Williams and Horford and just sort of going small this entire way because I don't think just putting another big body against Joel Embiid is all that helpful if he's just going to eat that dude. Yeah, and the other thing too that I should mention, which I could end up being somewhat significant, Luke Cornett is hurt right now. He did bang yeah. up his ankle. Now, whether he's available to play or not on opening day, Who's the net? Like, this isn't something beat reporters are all over. What is the health of Luke Cornett going into opening opening night? But that is one guy that could potentially be out of the center mix for, for Boston here. And it's hard for me because you mentioned Al Horford. How many minutes do they want him to play? I give him 28, even with Same. Robert Williams out. Just because I, I don't think that this is going to be a guy where it's like, hey, Al Horford, opening night, go play 34, 36 minutes. I don't really think that's a possibility. I mean, I, I guess nothing's impossible, but I don't think it's a, a likelihood. So I tended to want to limit the minutes of Al Horford. And then I just found a struggle to be like, all right, who's getting those minutes? 
I ended up actually giving Grant Williams more minutes than Al Horford. I think he's somebody that could end up playing a bunch off the bench. In terms of the regular season last year, he was total ass for fantasy, unusable, but he did come alive in the playoffs. Do you think that's something that could carry over into this season and make him viable for the first slate of the year? I mean, he's still going to be ass from a per minute perspective. <laughs> it could also be uh, Cobb and Gale too, uh, potentially as the, you know, at least for right now, the Luke Cornett replacement. I don't get the sense that he's going to be viable from a DFS perspective. I gave Grant Williams 24 minutes. Uh, I also have Blake in for 12 probably means that neither one of them are all that relevant. Like you're going to need every minute from Grant Williams. I have him as a true talent 0.67 guy. I have him in at like 0.61 for this matchup because I don't, think it's really like a great spot either but he does get small forward power forward eligibility on DraftKings. he's just power forward on FanDuel, and he's 4600 to me basically unplayable unless you think he's playing 30 something minutes i like because he's not owned like we have him at five percent right now on dk at that sub 4k price tag he's the one guy out there where like let's just say al horford gets in foul trouble against joel Embiid, which is clearly a potential outcome I mean, I know like Horford doesn't foul a lot and all, but Grant Williams could be out there and just immediately fall into like six extra minutes. And at that point, 30 minutes of Grant Williams at 3,900 becomes a really nice value when he's not owned. If he gets up to like 15% ownership or something, because that sort of becomes prevailing wisdom, then I think he's just going to be appropriately owned. But you could squeeze a little bit of value out of 5%. By the way, I actually did give him 30 minutes in my first run, just because just from being number one, I took Luke Cornett out because of the injury, but then also just kind of being stretched to figure out what is Boston going to do at their center rotation. And then just looking back at the playoffs and seeing the big minutes they were willing to play Grant Williams, if he's somebody who, once again, in in high leverage playoff situations, they didn't have an issue playing him north of 30 minutes. And now in a playoff, uh, in a regular season game where it's, you know, uh, somewhat important because it's opening day, at least they'd want to, you know, roll out some sense of their best rotation. And considering that they did feel good about giving Grant Williams those minutes in the playoffs, and I don't think they'd be as apt with Al Horford just because of his age. I do think Grant Williams, it's DK specific. But right now, like you said, at that 5% mark, also his his game is just more favorable for DraftKings scoring with the three-point bonus. Uh, He is somebody that I actually do like quite a bit as one of those dart throw tournament plays. I have no issue with it. I think he's set up nicely. He's super efficient. When he scores, he's super efficient. Um he would be the type of guy that I would want to take a shot on in GPPs too, just because there is, it's one of the spots where you can find minutes upside. He's one of the guys that I'm really excited to see across the industry where those first minutes projections start coming in because he's the type of guy that can, and it's not even just Boston or it's not even just Williams. It's Brogdon. It's Derek white where these guys could all be four to six minutes apart from each other on different sites. And I like, I don't think anybody's right out of the gate. So seeing other people's thoughts is something I'm very interested in. And by the way, when, when Williams is healthy, what do you think the starting five is going to be for this team? And I I have a betting angle that I'm going to introduce into this in a second, but I'm curious, what do you think the starting five is for the Boston Celtics when the team is fully healthy? Brown, Tatum, Smart, Horford, Robert Williams. All right. So we're on the same page. And as a result, I love Malcolm Brogdon for six man of the year this year. And I think He's been priced to a point where books are not sure if he's going to be a starter or a bench player. So I have Malcolm Brogdon at 18 to one to win six man of the year. Brogdon's really good. And I think he's going to play a big role for the Celtics, whether he starts or comes off the bench. And I just think he's more likely to come off the bench. And then you look at the players who are right now, the betting market favorites to win the award, Jordan Poole, who I think Brogdon is better than 
And then it's Tyler Hero, who might start this year. Tyler Hero might be a starter for the Miami Heat, which would take him out of the six-man-of-the-year race. So the the two guys that I've kind of looked at for six-man-of-the-year, one is Malcolm Brogdon, one is Christian Wood, because Christian Wood, also a guy who I think was kind of presumed that he was going to start, and then Jason Kidd came out and said he was going to be the six-man. Then two days later, he said Spencer Dinwiddie was going to be the six-man. So I don't think he really understands that every player who comes off the bench isn't called the six-man. But that aside... <laughs> What do you think of Malcolm Brogdon for six man of the year when he does have fairly long odds? I love it. Uh, the only thing that's going to stop Malcolm Brogdon from being a viable sixth man candidate is Malcolm Brogdon. Like if he's just not healthy enough to be out on the floor, that might be the only problem that somebody else gets to 72 games, 74 games, and he plays, you know, 56 or something like that. But when he's healthy, he's really good. I mean, we're talking about a, an above average usage guy. He's been uh at least league average efficiency guy in the past. He's going to have a ton of talent around him. So the spacing should be so much better than it was in, let's just say Indiana for the times where he was healthy. Uh, he's very, very live. And I don't really see a natural path for him to get into the starting lineup. So I, I think it's just pretty like, I think it's just pretty easy to want to go there. I don't even know, like, let's just say something happened to Marcus smart. I, I think you're better off starting Derek white at that point in time and yep. still having Malcolm Brogdon on the bench. Because he becomes a little bit less important if you have Brown and Tatum out there already. I mean, we're talking about two guys that had 30% usage rates in games that they played together last year. There's just not a lot of necessity to have Brogdon out there at that moment. Yeah, that's how I feel as well. So that was actually the first bet I placed of this basketball season was Brogdon win six man of the year. And if you guys want more betting information from myself and then also a lot of the other guys that work here, we have a betting mm -hmm. Discord channel now and you get free access to it by clicking on the link below in the description box. That'll get you one week free access. I would recommend waiting a few days until the start of basketball season if that is what you want to be betting on primarily is basketball, which based on this show, I think that's probably a lot of you. But the way it works is it's going to be myself. It's Balfi's in there. We've got Eric. We've got Ben Raza. And it's, it's just Discord where we're posting bets, but also answering any questions people have about anything that happens throughout the day or if there's NBA breaking news I could post in there and tell you guys what it is, what I'm going to be betting, what I'm going to be acting on. So if you want access to that and want to check it out for free for one week, click on the link in the description box below. Uh, now, talking about some of the other guys from Boston that are really the core players for the team, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Uh, I, I like Tatum, obviously, overall a whole bunch. One thing that I think could end up being a little bit of an issue for me is that I do prefer some of the other spend-up options on the site, like, Joel Embiid is somebody who's going to be a higher priority for me. So at least as of right now, I ended up being kind of around the field on Tatum in terms of what his projected ownership is. Uh, where are you landing on Tatum and how are you viewing him coming into the year? Uh, we've got him projected for 38.3% ownership on DraftKings. I got to 38.7. So yes, right around the field. A little bit lighter on FanDuel. I'm getting to Jalen Brown significantly more than I'm getting to Tatum. Uh, I don't, I'm don't. i a little surprised to see Brown's ownership be as low as it is on DK at 8K. He's shooting guard small forward. So that's the best eligibility you could have. You then get guard, you get forward, you get utility. So he can be in five of the eight spots. This is a guy that had a 30% usage rate in games where he and Tatum both played last year. Like, it, it doesn't go away. I got him at 1.16 FanDuel points per minute for this spot. He's like a tenth of a point behind Jason Tatum. But for this spot, he's also $1,000 cheaper and has better positional eligibility. Same situation on FanDuel, only it's even more extreme. He's $1,800 cheaper than Jason Tatum. Do I think Jason Tatum's a better offensive player than Jalen Brown? I do. 
do I want to have more Jalen Brown because he's $1,800 cheaper and not all that different from a DFS perspective? Absolutely. Jalen Brown's one of my most exposed players because I just don't think it's, it's not, I guess I don't even want to say like, I think his price is correct. The problem is that I think Jason Tatum is too expensive relative to him. Yeah, no, I think that definitely makes sense. And then also, I could be wrong on this, but I, I uh, off the top of my head, these positions were more difficult to fill when it came to Jalen Brown, him being small forward and shooting guard over on Fanduel, where Tatum is power forward, small forward, and then also over on DK, same thing, where he's shooting guard, small forward, and then Tatum, small forward, or shooting guard, small forward, and then Tatum, power forward, small forward. It, maybe that was something that played into it as well, the positional scarcity. Was was that a reason also that you think you ended up getting to him a little bit more? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I didn't look and see what... Let's see. He does seem to be showing up primarily at small forward for me on DraftKings. If I look at FanDuel... Yeah, for me, even still, probably a uh, pretty flat on Fanduel between shooting guard and small forward. I really do think it's just a price thing um, because yeah, I have so much Embiid. I'm like I'm already locking in a payoff option essentially. That that extra thousand on DK or eighteen hundred on Fanduel to me, it's not even a question. Like eighteen hundred dollars is just too big of a gap, and that's why it's they're the they have the same ownership. For that to be the case. You have to assume that Jason Tatum is not only playing more minutes than Jalen Brown, but is at a very, very diff- different per minute rate. So Jalen Brown naturally is a better play on FanDuel. On DraftKings, I think it's a lot closer, and that's why I'm still getting to Jason Tatum at a neutral level. I'm just still soaring over Jalen Brown. And is there anybody else from Boston that was showing up in your builds for you? Because to me, the the guy that was the dart throw was Grant Williams. I didn't really have anybody else like that. Any Anything for you? I mean, a ton of Brogdon on DK at 4,900. Uh, I gave him 28 minutes. I don't have a great feel between Brogdon, White, and Williams minutes as we touched on before. Um, but he is heavy, heavy chalk right now. 62% owned on DK. He's 43% on FanDuel. I'm still getting to him there. You can make a case for Derek White. I don't have much. I think he's just going to be like a classic backup guard that's really, really good and will step into additional minutes whenever, whenever anybody is out. The end of the rotation, I, I can't imagine going to Blake. I still have Peyton Pritchard in there getting some minutes. I don't know if that's going to happen. I also have Sam Hauser getting uh, two rotations. I don't think that he's going to matter all that much for this one. So the guys that I'm getting to most are uh, Jalen Brown and Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, totally makes sense to me. And then also Brogdon, even if he doesn't start, I still think he kind of stands to gain a little bit of extra playing time without Robert Williams in the mix for Boston as they just try to fill those minutes. Yeah. Now, moving on to the West Coast game, but first, if you guys haven't done it yet, do us a favor, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are less than one week away from the start of the basketball season. We're going to have all the slates covered in full with the normal strategy shows in the mornings, deep dives, live before locks, all that. And then, of course, all the tools we have on the website. We're going to be having those all updated and good to go. And a good deal. Should we tell them about the, the deal, Josh, or should we wait? Should we tell them? The people, the 250 people that are here watching it with us deserve to know that they're getting the goods soon. All right. So, all right, guys, we're not supposed to tell you yet, but we might as as well do it now. But starting Sunday, we're going to have a promo code that's going to go up for basketball. Now, the reason it's going up Sunday and not now is because we don't want anybody to get excited and sign up now and then get less slates where they're able to use the projection. So the promo code is going to be hardwood. And that is going to be 10 days 
of our projections and tools for all sports for $10. So if you sign up on Sunday, that'll get you access to two football slates and also all of the first week of NBA games. But also if you want to maximize the amount of NBA you get, you can wait until Tuesday, sign up then and get 10 days of the NBA as well. But this is going to cover everything. NBA, NHL, NFL, all that. 10 days, $10. The promo code is hardwood. Stop guessing, start winning. Join Stochastic Plus today. Massive Let's UFC move. pay-per-view, not this Saturday, next Saturday too. That is that is true. Um, who do you pick who are you picking to win in the main event of that, by the way? Islam. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At US Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Me too. And I, with very minimal confidence, though. If, if Oliveira beats Islam, everything in my mind changes. And he's... That's it, it finally cements it for me. Like I have not been a believer as of yet. Uh, you know, I've assumed that he was going to lose every fight that he's had in these situations since it started. If he gets through Islam, I don't know why I would ever pick anybody against him after that. I don't know what the I don't know what like the it'd be Volkanext. Yeah, you would think. I just don't know what the and like I would like Oliveira there. I don't know what the archetype to beat Charles Oliveira is if he then gets through Islam because it certainly wasn't like a striker. It's obviously then not an aggressive grappler. I don't know where he goes. Like I think he just looks exceptional after that. The, the thing with me also is, and I know we're getting a little little off the beaten path, but it won't be Volk know, next. Yeah. By the way, it'll be Connor. No, no, it would be it would be Volk. Not Connor. Connor. Connor says he's not going to fifty five again. Connor's going to fifty five if Oliveira wins. No, he's not. He's dude. He's he, he's he's not in the USADA testing pool anymore. Let him take whatever the hell he wants, and he's getting fucking big. There's no. no he's, he he's leaned out big him. time now. Has he? Yeah, from what I can see. Like I, I know I agree that he's saying that he's going to 170. If Oliveira wins, that's the spot that he wants. Then we'll see. It's a terrible match. Like he's never. He, he's not dropping down to face Islam. That's for sure. <laughs> no, no, no. He doesn't. He doesn't want to get it. I will at least Oliveira is chinny. That's a more winnable matchup for Connor than Islam is, but neither yeah. one of them are, are good matchups. I, I, I agree though. I'm also going to pick Islam to beat Oliveira okay. uh, next week. Uh, let's do all three of them quick. Well, okay. Who's Connor's fight then? Cause it's not Nate now. Uh, it's going to, I, I assume Leon? the winner or maybe the, the loser of Chandler Poirier at 170. Okay. Ugh. Hate it. That's a bad fight. There are if no it's bad Poirier, it's, if it's Poirier, it's whatever. I, I don't love the Chandler fight. I don't know what that I don't think you. there are. I don't think there are bad Chandler fights though. Oh, it's a great fight to watch. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to see that, but I want I want to fast track Connor to dumb shit all the time. So yeah, I think I, I, I want think him to fight Leon. 
Give him oh, the title, but give him the shot. Give him three belts. Yeah, it would it would, it would be such a mismatch though. Here's I think Ooh, you think, I think so. The I think so. The winner of Aurier and Chandler either fights for the title or it's Volkanovski. If that's what Volkanovski chooses, he wants to do. And yeah. if that's not the path to go down, then the the loser of that fight, I think, would probably end up fighting Connor. What what's a bigger mismatch, Usman Edwards or Edwards Connor? Oh, Edwards Connor. You're crazy. No, it, it's he is he hasn't. What 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 year is it? The last time Conor McGregor won a fight. I that, I don't care about that. It it's relevant. You act like he was out there losing to tomato cans, man. Khabib and, and Dustin Poirier. Like that's not. Is Dustin Poirier all that different than Leon Edwards? Yes, because from a stature he, perspective, like those are two. That's as high as it gets. It's not like losing to Poirier is some scrub. Getting ragdolled by Khabib is exactly what should happen. He's won one fight since 2016. Yeah, and it's Cerrone. It's old. It's injuries. It's, it's money, not to man. say that it's a lot of it's a lot of, a lot of coke and proper number twelve. Yeah, <laughs> coke, cokers, proper number twelve, and that's yeah. his training camp. That's how he gets ready for fights. Hey, it worked for John Jones. <laughs> it did work for John Jones, who I don't know what's going on with him either. But West Coast game, Lakers. Hold on, Aljo, Di- Aljo Dillashaw. Yeah. Oh, I'm okay. T- yeah, I'm okay. going TJ. Probably because I don't like Aljo. Yeah, I'm picking Aljo in that fight. Okay. And then Jan O'Malley, hard to not go Peter Jan, but I am cheering for O'Malley. Peter Jan, except I would be more apt to bet O'Malley relative to the prices. And then the final one, because I think this fight should actually be on the main card. It's just not. Uh, Bilal Muhammad, Sean Brady. Sean Brady. I hope it's Sean Brady. Sorry, Bilal Muhammad. Okay, now let's go to NBA. <laughs> I just want to talk sports. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's also a thing where it's kind of a dead zone for us. There isn't that much going on which was also part of the reason where I have messages like you want to just do a basketball show because we there's, there's no other shows at night to do right now. Like there's no, the, the, the baseball games have their dumb lock time. So, you know, there's just not other things to do at night other than, you know, Monday and Sunday night football or Monday, Thursday and Sunday night football. But this West coast game, Lakers warriors, the Lakers could be the team that provide us the most value because they have so many new pieces to their guard rotation. Now, Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, and by the way, Kendrick Nunn was on the team last year, but never ended up playing. Dennis Schroeder was on the team a few years ago, but was not on the team last year. So now we've got this really weird situation where I think this is the hardest thing to project on the entire slate, the Lakers backcourt minutes. I'm taking some stands here, I assume, when I build lineups. I have one guy right now that I'm getting to a whole bunch of from the Lakers backcourt, and I think it's the same for you because we talked about this ahead of time, but who is the best value play of the Lakers backcourt with these new guys being introduced? I can give you two because I don't know which one it's going to be. Kendrick Nunn at the flat minimum on DraftKings, which is it's as if they don't know that he's back and have and played in the preseason. Uh, his price is so stupid. It's insane. He's 4,300 on Fanville. So very different play. Also still good at that number, in my opinion. But it's a flat 3K on DraftKings. It's very, very easily Kendrick Nunn. Same. I um, mean, especially on DraftKings. So. In the build that I've run right now, Kendrick Nunn is my most rostered player. He's the player I have the most exposure to of anybody. Uh, Embiid was my most rostered payup option. Kendrick Nunn, my most rostered value play for DraftKings purposes. And here's why they're correlated. Totally different positions. We've got Joel Embiid at center as a payup option. And then we've got the point guard shooting guard eligibility for Kendrick Nunn at min price. It just makes it make sense 
Embiid's the player I've projected for the most fantasy points. And then the best points per value play on the low end being Kendrick Nunn. They just fit together well. Unless something happens where Nunn is just crazy, crazy popular, I think that I'm going to be very exposed to Kendrick Nunn on the first slate of the season. It, it's just easy to get to on DraftKings. He's looked healthy in the preseason. Um, I I liked the signing last year <laughs> when he was coming in. We didn't get to see that, that's for sure. Um, but at, at the flat three, you just it's really difficult to go wrong at that number. You know, it, the only thing that can pinch you here is just like maybe they give more minutes to one of the other 10 guys that they have that play guard that sort of look like Kendrick Dunn. Yeah, I don't have any confidence between Austin Reeves minutes, Kendrick Nunn's minutes, Dennis Schroeder's minutes, Pat Beverly's minutes, Lonnie Walker's minutes. I don't have a great feel for any of that. I've got them all relatively similar here. Do you think that one of those guys just gets a ton more minutes? So what were what were all the names again? Reeves, Nunn, Schroeder, Beverly, Walker. The non-Russell Westbrook wings yeah. and guards so the the one i feel the the most secure about in terms of projecting their minutes like i don't see any way that patrick beverly just plays a nominal role on this team like he's going to be involved and he's also probably going to start which also makes it easier for him to be looking at some form of guaranteed minutes what, what do you think the starting five is for the lakers russ ad lebron james a center and kendrick nunn oh so you think not you think nunn ends up starting i think so yeah i have no feel for this like who I think should start and who's going to start are also going to be two different questions. Okay. So that's, that's a fun way to look at this too. Who should the Lakers go with as their starting five? Beverly. LeBron Austin AD. Reeves, AD <laughs> LeBron and a center. So to me though, there's a center that I like uh, on this team too, relative to this team. I, my gut feeling is that Damian Jones is going to start. My yeah. preference for who starts is Thomas Bryant. Who's, sneakily a really good three-point shooter which it's i too think expensive. is expensive what's that he's 4600 no 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 no. I, i'm not saying from a dfs perspective sure. i'm saying who the lakers should start yeah just in general i'm saying that if i had my ideal starting five for the lakers it would be thomas bryant just because he could shoot threes and i think the ability to space the floor would be much more ideal alongside ad and lebron well actually it should just be ad starting at center but they'll never do that for reasons unknown but i, would, I actually I, don't I, think they should do that Really? What would be the, cause well, okay. What, what would be the reason to not do it? I just don't think it matters in the regular season. Like it's just a lot to me. It's just a lot easier to make sure that you have a center rotation where you get those 16 minutes or whatever. First beginning of the first quarter, beginning of the third quarter, just put somebody else out there to like catch those two fouls that will inevitably come in when it's, when it matters in closing lineups, when it's close in the playoff type matchups, AD is just at the five and Thomas Bryant and Damian Jones are going to park their asses for those situations. But in the regular season, I don't have a problem with it at all. And I think it's overblown. Uh, I mean, I just think from a floor spacing perspective, it makes sense because the team was such a disaster last year in terms of being able to spread the floor out that I think it would help them if they had AD at center and then you could just surround them with LeBron and then, and then you just get shooters on the court. None, Reeves, Beverly. Like, West, Westbrook should not be in the starting lineup, but that kind of feels like it's going to happen just because he's Westbrook. Like, you obviously... I don't think you would have an issue if they made the Pacers trade and it was Miles Turner that was starting at the five, right? Oh, no, that would be, that would be great for them. But yeah. I don't think the Pacers really have... I, I think the Pacers want to build around Miles Turner. Mm, we'll see. 
I don't know where I don't know what's going to happen there. The Lakers are going to get something for those two picks before the trade deadline. Who the hell knows where it comes from if everybody's tanking in the middle of January? Like it could it could get real preposterous. Um Yeah, I don't mind the idea of like it being Thomas Bryan as that floor spacer. I think that helps. I mean, we need a floor spacer around AD. The dude can't make anything outside of like six feet at this point. Interested to see that Damian Jones 29% ownership on DK. Like to me, that's insane. It's a very high ownership. So I think everybody's expecting that Damian Jones is going to start. And based on what we've seen the comments being in the offseason, I think it is going to be Damian Jones as the starter. Like that's what we've seen. Ham say is is when asked about the starter, he'd say that it's a competition between Thomas Bryan and Damian Jones. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but then he goes on and he compliments Damian Jones. Like it, he'll be like, we're it's in between two guys. And then he talks about how much he likes Damian Jones, which I'm kind of reading between the lines and thinking that means Jones is going to start. Now, with that said, him starting could very well mean that he plays like 12, 14 minutes. Like I don't think him starting means he's guaranteed big minutes at all. Uh, I have him for 16 right now. And Same. then I and then I think that we're going to see Bryant play backup center minutes. And they're gonna like Wendy and Gabriel, I think, could play center minutes. Anthony Davis is still going to play center minutes, even if he doesn't start at center. So if Damian Jones is actually going to be chalk, it, it's not chalk that I'm going to really want to be playing. No, I won't have any of those centers just based on where I have it now. I gave Damian Jones 16, I gave Thomas Bryant 16, and then I assume Anthony Davis basically plays the rest of them if this game's competitive. Uh, that just seems like the most likely scenario that they shift him down a spot. Uh, for to you know play the final six to eight minutes at center against Golden State, um, so I I don't it didn't get me to any Damian Jones it didn't get me to Thomas Bryant if I had to get to one of them it's going to be Damian Jones just because he's thirty five hundred I just don't know how Thomas Bryant can pay forty six hundred off on DraftKings on FanDuel it's even worse Thomas Bryant's fifty one hundred Damian Jones is forty five hundred I probably won't be playing those guys on FanDuel either at the, the only thing that's appealing is Damian Jones DraftKings price. Yeah. And even then he's too popular as of right now for me to really want to advocate for him as a, as a value option. I'd rather take my chance on a Grant Williams who is similarly priced actually is better position eligibility, but then also I think has potential to play more minutes and is a fraction of the ownership. Like I'd much rather play Grant Williams at 5% ownership than Damian Jones around 30%. Talking about some of these other Lakers players now and somebody who uh, used to be the best fantasy player that we had to go to in DFS and Russell Westbrook. And regardless of what anybody ever thought of him as a real life player, he was always a DFS stud. That was not the case last year. And he did really struggle to play alongside LeBron and Anthony Davis. And even at times where one of those guys were out, we still didn't really see any of those really big Russ games, but he's opened the year price fairly cheaply. He's seven cat. He's 7,000 over on FanDuel, $7,400 over on DK. Is that cheap enough to interest you? It is on FanDuel. I'm a little less interested on DraftKings just because DK's setup allows you to be a little bit more flexible so you don't have to go there. Whereas on FanDuel, you have to roster two-point guards no matter what. It changes the equation a little bit more. So I'm actually getting to him right around the field at this point. Didn't think that would be the case. I'm not getting to him on, uh, on DraftKings at all. But it he just gets freed up too easily at the point guard spot. Like I don't find myself likely to pay up for Curry on FanDuel because I already have a bunch of Embiid. It's making that lineup construction weird. Then I'm not really getting to Harden that who's at 8,900. The next most expensive guy at point guard is 
$1,900 cheaper than that. And that's Russ. And I have him projected above everybody else that is below him, except for one guy who we'll talk about uh, when we get to the opposite side of this game. So I don't mind getting to Russ on FanDuel. I think that's more than viable at 7K. On DraftKings, it's just a tough sell for me. He's the third. He's at best the third option on the Lakers. And I don't know if he closes. I didn't give him... I gave him 28 minutes. And I think that there's some upside for his playing time. Like he could just play 34. He could start, have every rotation close and everything's normal. Or he just doesn't. And they send that message right out of the gate. Like, yo, if you're three for 15, your ass is out of there. What are, I mentioned before that I think Russ is going to start, but I don't think he should. What, what do you think the chances are that the Lakers actually open up the season without Westbrook in the starting lineup? And how would that change his outlook? Uh, to me, it's impossible for him to, st- to not start on opening day. I, I can't, I can't see it. You, you try it first under Darvin Ham, under a new, like if it was Frank Vogel back, then I would be like, well, we're not going to, we don't know how to figure this out. You try it first with the idea that we need to rip this bandaid off immediately. Once it happens, you got to stagger the rotations right out of the, like someone's got to be coming in for one of AD LeBron and Russ at that first four minute stoppage. Um, it certainly lower like his price would tumble once he would get taken out of that starting lineup. But at the same time, I think that like 24, 26 minutes with potential upside off the bench where he could do a little bit more is probably better for his fantasy output. Yeah, I, I do think it'd be better for his fantasy output, but it would also come probably with a reduction of two to four minutes, which would yeah. offset any of that. So we'll see what ends up happening here with the Lakers starting lineup. There's definitely a lot of variables that are going to be at play, but two guys that we're very certain are going to be starting LeBron James, Anthony Davis said before Anthony Davis goal this year is to play in all 82 games. It's the most unrealistic thing I think I've ever heard. It's not going to happen, but between LeBron and AD, do you have a preferred payup option? It's AD, but I don't feel great about it. 8,500 power forward center on DraftKings. You get LeBron at 9,200. These guys are very, very similar from a point per dollar or from a fantasy point per minute rate. Like I have LeBron by six hundredths of a point and that's about where I have them for the game. LeBron pulling 51% ownership AD at 40. So I am getting to a little bit more AD than LeBron. I think they're basically equals relative to salary. Similar story on FanDuel, although I'm not really getting to all that much of either one of them. I think when this team is fully healthy, with the prices where they are now, at least on FanDuel, it's tough to get to AD and LeBron a lot. The fact that they're 30-something percent owned, it just makes me want to have more Embiid because I have Embiid like eight real fantasy points ahead of these guys and the other thing too is so russell westbrook even if he doesn't have the same fantasy upside he had in previous years the usage is still there it's not like he's gonna stop shooting the basketball all of a sudden and the biggest result of that or at least the trickle down effect is it really to me caps the upside of lebron james and anthony davis when westbrook is starting when he's on the court with them because the ball has to be in his hand you can't you can't play westbrook and have him play off ball like that's just a waste of a player being on the court and then when he has the ball in his hands, like he's going to shoot. So just because Westbrook is in the mix, it makes LeBron and AD less appealing of payoff options as compared to other guys in the price range of them, particularly Joel Embiid. 
Yeah, like I have Russ at 25% usage for this game. When he's not there, AD's taking a massive bump. LeBron's taking a massive bump because there aren't that many other guys on the team that are going to soak that up. None to a degree, but nothing crazy. Schroeder to a degree, but nothing crazy. It's just all going to go to AD and LeBron. So the games where like one of those guys aren't around, it's such a massive jump when their salaries just stick. When all three of them are there, I find them to be uh, significantly less appealing. Yeah, and... That's that's gonna. We'll see what the lineup looks like once again. I I do hope Kendrick Nunn starts. If that happens, he's he's gonna be a player that I get to just a whole ton in my lineup. So yeah. next Tuesday, tune into Live Before Lock Strategy Show deep dive and all that. We really know what some of those Lakers starters are going to look like. Is there anybody else from the Lakers roster that you want to talk about here? Uh, if if this were to hold right now, Patrick Beverly at forty three hundred at three percent ownership and Lonnie Walker at forty two hundred and twenty four is bonkers. <laughs> Uh, you got to flip those two if you're trying to play like a large field GPP. If like if you're trying to win the 200K on opening night, like just making one move like that alone is going to increase your odds of being at the top of that tournament. Just because there's no scenario where Lonnie Walker should be 24 to three in ownership for this one. I hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like, Lonnie Walker's live to, like, not play a ton in comparison to Patrick Beverly in this one. I, I have Beverly with two more minutes. I, I don't I don't even know. There's so many guys for the Lakers to play on the wings. Like I, I gave Lonnie Walker less than 10 minutes. And oh, okay. unless I hear something different, it could change. But I think Schroeder's ahead of him in the rotation. Austin Reeves, Kendrick Nunn, Patrick Beverly, Russell Westbrook. I, I mean, I think he's the I think he's the sixth backcourt player in the rotation right now. And he sucks. Like, let's be clear here. He's a 0.8 fantasy point per minute guy. He's an inefficient scorer that doesn't do much else. I gave him 18 minutes. He's at the best position, shooting guard, small forward. But at 4,200, I won't have a share. And if he's 24% owned, I will be happy that I don't have a share. If Lonnie Walker is the reason that I don't win money on Tuesday, like, I'm more than okay with that. I thought that was a terrible signing. The worst possible use you could have of your uh, mid-level exception it made no sense to me for the Lakers to make that move. Um, so I don't want them to be rewarded at all. And I don't want anybody to be rewarded by playing. him. It's not exactly a one for one trade-off, but Malik Monk, like what they ended up getting in, in a signing instead with Lonnie Walker, like that's a pretty significant downgrade. Malik Monk was one of the only bright spots for the Lakers last year. He was, he was yeah. a really good off season signing and him not being back. I don't think is a downgrade for them. Uh, any, any other further talking points on the Lakers? Um, I don't really want to say anything right now on Austin Reeves. We don't have him in the ownership. I think that's just an oversight. Like he's going to, he's playing for the Lakers and could be a starter playing 30 minutes, depending on how this breaks. It's not out of the realm at the very least at 3,400. I think he looks like an interesting play. He's just 
like a shitty point per minute guy, 3,900 on FanDuel. He's a guy I want to get to. I just need to see where his ownership shakes out. Juan Toscano Anderson, uh, Wendy and Gabriel, you, we mentioned those two guys. I don't think that they're playable in any way here, but they could certainly sneak into 16 minutes at the expense of one of these guards. Yeah, uh, so we'll see what it looks like next week, some of the starting lineup. That's definitely going to impact some of what the ownership and what some of the projections, minutes, and all that look like for the Lakers. But defending champion, Golden State Warriors. And, you know, it's funny because as good as Steph Curry is, He's somebody who, when he's popular, I very rarely play a whole bunch of in DFS just because he has this massive ceiling. But it's easy to forget that the average game for Curry isn't really all that great from a fantasy perspective because he's so reliant on these massive scoring games. So at least in terms of Steph Curry right now, he's somebody I I ended up getting to underweight to the field on on both DraftKings and FanDuel. And that was a pretty common occurrence for me last year in the regular season with Steph Curry. Is it going to be the same for you opening up this season? He's my least likely guy to ever get on any slate of people that like are going to be high dollar plays that people want to get to. I'm way under the field on DK at 9,400. 10K to me on FanDuel is asinine. Um, I, I would not be paying that price. I have him like 12 points away from Joel Embiid. It's not even close. Uh, he's going to go crazy a bunch of times. He's going to make 10 threes and he's going to blow his price out of the water and you're going to need him. And I'm never going to win on those slates. I'm just going to always have a very minimal amount of Steph Curry because to me, he just does not like I haven't projected. Well, he's, I got him at 1.33 fantasy points per minute for Curry on FanDuel. That's higher than his normal rates because I think playing the Lakers is a benefit and I still can't justify it. I got the 3% of him on FanDuel. I, I'm just not going to be there. That said, if you want to play Steph Curry, he's Steph Curry. That ceiling is there. That will be a path to win GPPs on a semi-regular basis for you throughout the season. I just want to go to basically like everyone else from the Warriors. Yeah, and then something else too about Steph Curry. Like there are situations I like playing him in tournaments when he's low-owned. If he's going to be popular because it's a two-game slate, it just makes me less interested in Steph Curry. If you look through his games from last year, you know, you're going to find way more games where he's sub 40 fantasy points than games where he's north of 50. And yeah. that's that's the thing with Steph Curry is if he's going to be, a, you know, a, a 10 game slate and Curry's two, 3% owned, sure, take a shot and look for that ceiling game on a two game slate where he's likely going to be pretty popular. I'd rather pay up for other guys who are just more likely to have good games. And then you just cross your fingers and hope that it isn't a Steph Curry game, which yep. are going to happen and kill you from time to time. So. Uh, Steph Curry, somebody that I'm not as interested in relative to the field and his price for the opening for the opening slate of the year. But what do you make of the secondary options for the Warriors? Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Dre, Draymond Green, Jordan Poole. Uh, intentionally, I listed Green and Poole there back to back. By the way, because people are going to ask about this, I can't put any stock into this going into the year. Like, from a fantasy standpoint, I don't know what it means. It, it might mean something. It might not mean anything. I'm not going to know until after the games are played. There's no way for me to weigh this in in how I'm going to build lineups unless Draymond Green gets suspended, but all indications are that is not going to happen. Uh, but in terms of these secondary options for the Warriors, who of them are you prioritizing, if any? Draymond Green, 30, uh, 5,800 on DraftKings. Uh, he is my most exposed player. I have 75% of him on FanDuel at 6,300, power forward center, so there's extra flexibility. He's really good. When this team is at full strength and – a motivated Draymond Green. I mean, he's he's live for that like 8, 15, and 15 type game in this spot. He's going to be everywhere. Uh, he's not going to be out there. He's in no position now to like not be everything when he's on the floor. 
I love Draymond and I love the man that was on the receiving end of that punch. I think Jordan Poole looks great. Uh, 6,700 on DraftKings is a bit of a healthy price tag, but I gave him 30 minutes. Like, I think he's going to be out there. We have a 13% ownership. The upside from, like, if I'm not getting to Steph, I like the idea of getting to Jordan Poole at light ownership because it's just a Steph light. If he's cooking, they're going to feed him, especially now after Draymond fed him a right hook. And then uh, Poole is 6K on FanDuel. To me, just as easy to get to. Draymond Green and Jordan Poole are the two guys that are driving most of my Golden State ownership. Winning with those two guys together would be incredibly satisfying. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure that people would be really excited to make the same jokes over and over again about stacking them in in lineups and tournaments to open up the year. But yeah, I also got to them as my two most rostered Warriors players and narratives, throwing them in the trash because I don't know what it's going to mean to open up the year. It's a pricing thing. Draymond Green has pretty favorable FanDuel scoring because of his ability to rack up defensive stats at times, and he's relatively cheap. And then over on DK also, double, double, double bonuses, triple, double bonuses. And also just these $5,800. That's a cheap price for Draymond Green. It's a guy who during the regular season last year was pretty, and by the way, his fantasy production was down last year relative to other years. But even with that in mind, I'm pulling up the pricing for him on DK last year. It was pretty regularly in the 65 to low 7K range. He got as high as $7,700 last year on DK. 5800 is not the correct price for Draymond on DK. And I also think here's where the narrative could come into play. I, I wouldn't be surprised if his ownership ends up being lower than what it's projected as just because people are like, ah, oh, Draymond Green, chemistry issues. I don't want to play. I'm like, to me, that's a very public type thought on a two-game slate where a lot of public money is going to be playing DFS contests. I hope you're right because I'm going to be jamming him one way or the other. I mean, like I said, he's a fantasy point per minute guy. It's obviously low usage, but he's going to do basically everything else out on the floor. If he's playing 32 minutes, a completely normal estimate for a starter like Draymond Green, his target score, like his boom score, that's 40 fantasy points at that salary. That's 1.25 fantasy points per minute. Like that's a, that's not even like a crazy game out of Draymond where, you know, he could play two extra minutes there. He could be a 1.4 guy if, like, uh, you know, a couple shots fall. I I just think that his ability to blow that number out of the water is great. Like, I have him set at 19% to hit that target score. Like, one out of every five times, Draymond's just going bonkers and you have to have him. I don't have a lot of other guys on this slate that are even close to that rate. And then somebody else here that's pretty hard for us to talk about right now. I know we don't have injury reports to open up the year. I don't know that Clay's going to play on opening night. Clay is... Clay is apparently dealing with knee soreness. He hasn't played in any preseason games. Considering his injury history, he he might not even play. And if he does, I wouldn't be surprised if it's somewhat limited minutes. So once again, we're a week out. We need some updates here. Is is that something that weighed on you at all while you were projecting players? Because I gave him a couple extra, a couple less minutes because of that. I put him in like it's normal, uh, just because I don't really know how else to handle that. If he's playing, then I think he's just playing. And if he's like not, then obviously this entire rotation starts to change. I just treated it like everybody's in until I find something else out. And he uh, looks so, perfectly fine there. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with Clay. Cause I think he is somebody who's potentially at risk of not playing on opening night. Definitely concerning that he's knee soreness considering the torn ACL, the torn Achilles that he has in his, in his past there, but a player who was injured all of last year for the Warriors that is going to be back for them is James Wiseman. And I don't know what to make of the Warriors' center rotation this year because Draymond Green played a bunch of center minutes last year. They were at their best oftentimes when Draymond was playing center. Also, Looney was absurdly good in the playoffs last year 
to the point where it was something we had to totally change what we thought about Looney because he was a guy that never had DFS upside and then was just going nuts every single playoff game. But now with Wiseman back in the mix, what do you think the center rotation looks like for the Warriors and who's DFS viable outside of Draymond? I love, I mean, I, I think it's, I think unquestionably Kevon Looney's just starting like normal, um, sort of like the way that I just talked about the Lakers. Like he's going to play first quarter rotation, end of the second quarter rotation, third quarter rotation, potentially closed depending on what teams they're facing. Like he showed that that's a completely viable opportunity for him. He averaged like 21 minutes a game last year. If he's unowned, like we have it projected right now, 0.8 on DK, 4% on FanDuel, He's my favorite warrior to get to if I want to try to like solo ship this contest on Tuesday. I, I think there's upside for six extra minutes. Like he could, to me, he could play 28 if this game's competitive. If like he can guard AD, we 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 have no qualms with Kevon Looney being out on the floor defensively, could very easily anchor this team. If they want to do that, then he's got the upside for additional minutes. And he's a point per minute guy. You know, 0.95 is my baseline for him. He's 4,500. At 4,500, you're looking at 5x plus 10 of 32 fantasy points. Like, even at 22 minutes, it's not all that crazy if you pick up a couple blocks or something. Every extra minute that Kevon Looney plays makes it almost like a guarantee that he's going to be needed in an optimal lineup just because if he gets to 26 or 28, they need to play him more in the fourth. He's going to blow 4,500 out of the water. I love Kevon Looney if he is like sub 5% owned or even like sub 10% owned. Very, very interesting to me. I just don't think they're going to like let Wiseman rip yet. I gave Wiseman 16 minutes. I gave Kaminga 16 minutes. I'm probably more likely to get to Kaminga over Wiseman just because of pricing and position. But Looney is the guy that I've got my eye on. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, just based on the fact that he played really well in the playoffs, he played a totally different role in the playoffs than we've seen from before. And then they gave him a contract extension, which it would seem weird to me that you give a guy a contract extension and then immediately cut his role. And to your point also, you know, Wiseman's a pretty big unknown at this point. I don't even know if he's going to be able to stay healthy based on what we've seen from him at this point in his NBA career. But I have to think Looney is pretty well ahead of him in the pecking order right now in the center rotation. So I agree with you. I got to Looney, let's see. Wiseman's a novelty for them. They want to give him 16 minutes a game. They want him to learn how to play basketball. There's no, they have no reason to push him into anything other than just keeping miles off of Looney until the playoffs. First run, I got a little over 30% of Looney on FanDuel and DK 25%. Too Wait, hit me with that again. I was reading Sean V's oh, dumb yeah, yeah. take. Oh, sure. I'm, I'm sure he's something. What, what's like the craziest player that he's on for that? Oh, no. This is a, a talk about Draymond punching Jordan Poole in the face. Oh, let's see. Uh, it's almost like Jordan Poole could dictate this, uh, like, problem. If Jordan uh, Poole yeah. was like, hey, I would like him to be arrested. Hey, I think he should be suspended. He's going to get arrested and suspended. Yeah, it, it seems to well based on reports, Jordan Poole's uh, not happy with what happened. Right, but <laughs> well, yeah, he, he hasn't pre- he hasn't pressed charges. He's not suing him. This isn't Devonte Adams who's uh, facing assault charges and getting sued. Yeah, yeah it's, it's hard for me to think it's gonna. I don't know. Is Sean saying that's gonna? Let me read Sean's messages. Imagine giving Draymond a minor fine yet no suspension for literally knocking out a teammate. Assault is apparently perfectly allowed in the NBA. That assault is allowed everywhere. 
if the person that got assaulted doesn't give a shit about it. it well, everywhere. Yeah, because it, it, somebody has to press charges, and <laughs> it's it's not it's not going to happen. Like the the Devonte Adams thing, which by the way, the, the whole thing in ter- Devonte Adams is in the wrong, and the other guy's also equally ridiculous. Where there's reports coming out non life threatening injuries, like yeah, you got you got shoved. It wasn't life threatening injuries. But the Ooh. the fair like the fair punishment for Devontae Adams. By the way, I think I think Draymond Green probably should have been suspended by the team in some way. Looks like that's not going to happen. Devontae Adams thing. I, what what do you think is a fair punishment? I actually think it should be like here's like a dinner and some merchandise. Yeah, you know, a little money, tickets to the game, whatever. Uh, I don't know. Nothing. Honestly. Not assault though. Not not assault no. charges. No, we should put down that camera operator more than anything else as far as i'm concerned like i would wake up feeling like less of a man if i did that uh john bryant has left us a super chat where is the lakers game please that shows them playing minnesota uh the lakers game is next tuesday against the war is is this is this every a, a, a lot of people popping in here have thought this is a preseason show oh okay so uh we are talking about the nba main slate for next tuesday as for Tonight, are the Lakers even playing the? Yeah, the Lakers are playing the Timberwolves. By the way, the game is on ESPN as well. But we're talking about the we're talking about the Tuesday main slate for NBA next week preseason. I I don't I didn't play any NBA preseason DFS, nor do I have interest in it. I assume same for you, Josh. Yep, never touched it, never looked into it, never have, never would. Uh, to get back to your question before Looney, I had him in about twenty five percent of my DK builds and a little over thirty percent on Fanduel in the first run I did. I've got a bit more than that, but it's just uh, an ownership issue. It's so low that it's driving him up even more. He's not going to be 0.8% owned on Tuesday. Like that's just not going to hold. He'll be four, five, six, whatever it is. And that'll just naturally bring him down in that like, 20 to 30 range. And I'm going to be stoked about it. All right. The last, the rest of the Warriors team, I uh... For me, we've talked about all the guys that I care about. This isn't a slate where I'm going to be playing Kaminga or Moody. I saw somebody in the chat ask about those guys. No interest for me on this slate. Are there any of those players that you think are worth taking stabs on for the first slate of the year? I mean, we've got Deep Vincenzo projected for 25% ownership on FanDuel. That's not going to hold. So I just want to point that out. Like, he's not going to play enough. This is the Warriors. We got to remember. Wiggins, Green, let's just say Thompson's playing for right now. Wiggins, Green, Thompson, Curry, Poole to a lesser extent. These guys are going to play 30 minutes or slightly more, depending on who I'm talking about. And then they're going to play the rest of these guys like 12 minutes a piece, and they're going to run a longer rotation than everybody else because that is just what the Warriors are doing. They're so deep this year that I didn't even really know who I should be picking to give some of these minutes. Like they've got options on options on options. Whether that's DiVincenzo being in the rotation for one night. I didn't even mention Jamichael Green. He's another option that could be getting uh, backup center minutes. Like, that's there. We did not mention Andre Iguodala, who could very easily play. I don't expect him to. But maybe he does play on opening night because that's, like, more interesting. They could You could add those two guys to everything that I think is happening, and then they just play 12 guys. That's on the table for Golden State. What's, on, what's not on, like, the only thing that you can know for sure, Wiggins, Green, Thompson, Curry, Poole, those guys are functional no matter what because they are the guys that are going to get the 30 minutes. Yeah, I think that definitely all makes sense. And uh, I agree with you also, by the way, if DiVincenzo is actually going to be popular by the time of opening night, no interest. I have proje- I have been projected to play minutes in the teens, and he's competing with a lot of guys for minutes yeah. off the bench. I mean, Moody, Wiseman, Kaminga, like those guys are all pretty interchangeable in the rotation as far as minutes go. Any of those guys could play like 12 to 18 minutes wouldn't surprise me, and it doesn't really make any of them viable. 
for the first slate of the year. So uh, to me, there's nothing really else of interest from the Warriors, and it seems like you're on the same page. Yeah, if, if I'm taking Warriors bench guys, I'm taking whatever ones aren't getting the ownership that I think are going to play. If somebody's getting heavy ownership from the bench of the Warriors, I'm fading that right out of the gate because there's no chance that we're one, you got to just be right that that guy is good for the game. But two, anything can happen with this Golden State Warriors rotation in game one of this season. They have no reason to push any sort of narrative. They want to get guys like Wiseman and Moody. You would think Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody to get them more and more run now that everybody's healthy and here. There's just no way to reliably think that any of these guys are just going to be out there doing anything of value. So unless they're low owned, I think everybody's like semi viable. Like, I mean, maybe Moody isn't because he's not a very good per minute guy, but DiVincenzo is like a 0.85 guy. Kaminga is like a 0.95 guy. Wiseman, Looney, obviously just, you know, big men are generally going to be 0.9 or higher just by default. You can take some shots, but if Dante DiVincenzo is projected for 25% ownership, like exclude him from your crunch. Yeah, totally agree. And that wraps up the slate, but things are going to change between now and yeah. Tuesday. So make sure to check out all the content we have next Tuesday, guys. The regular programming, strategy show in the morning, deep dive, NBA live before lock. Like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel so you know when we have all the all that content coming out. Also, we've got our promo code Hardwood. Check it out. Keep it in your back pocket until Sunday. Hardwood, $10, 10 days projections for all DFS sports. Bing bong. <laughs>